Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first Sunday here with us, so glad you joined us for worship today. Oh man, we've got so many amazing things going on uh, that God's doing right now. I just wanted to, you know, start us off by praising God for what he's doing. But um, I wanted to um, let you know about a couple of things coming up. We have a trip to Guatemala uh, we've been doing a village transformation there where we've dug a water well, we've uh, built a school, we bought land for a church, built a church, and there's a pastor there now. And um, so we're going for our last trip to Guatemala for the village transformation at Los Bordos. But we are looking at doing another village transformation in Guatemala too. So I wanted to fill you in on that trip coming up in 2023. And uh, there may be another trip coming up in 2023. We wanted to feel out what the interest would be for going to Mazatlan. Uh, One of our missionary partners, shoulder to shoulder, John Reeser, is down there in Mazatlan. And um, so if you're interested in missions, we are Mission View Church, by the way. Uh, If you're interested in missions, you want to be a part of a mission group that goes out, uh, please let us know. You can call the office. You can even write it on your uh, bulletin and turn that in, drop it in the offering box or whatever. But Um, Just letting us know that you're interested in one of those missions trips. So really excited about that. Um, One thing too, I don't want to forget this. This is really, really important. I would like to have all of the veterans here stand, if you would, please. Stay standing if you would. I would like to thank you on behalf of Mission View Church for your service and giving of your life to serving our country and for our freedoms. Um, It's a great sacrifice that we recognize and we want to deeply thank you for. And I just want to pray over you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for these right now, these veterans who've given up parts of their lives to, to serve our country, to protect our freedoms. God, I pray that you would protect their hearts and their souls. The things that they've seen, Father, are difficult. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring comfort where comfort's needed, would be, bring strength where strength is needed. Father, that you would let them know that you are with them, that you love them, that you care for them, and that you will never, ever leave them, Father. Thank you, Lord, for their service, and thank you that you are with them. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for your service. So many other things going on. We have um, our outreach ministry here at Mission View Church is called Reflect. And every month we have special events going on where we're going out into the community and trying to show God's love in practical and tangible ways. Uh, We have a a really cool thing coming up called Game Night. It's a nacho average game night. So there's going to be nachos there. So I'm in. You know, as soon as you say nachos, I'm there. But anyways, um, what we're doing is we're putting together a bunch of crazy games that'll be all out throughout the facility. What we want to do is give you an opportunity to invite your neighbors, your friends, coworkers, uh, or family members that don't know Christ uh, to come and enjoy some nachos and some games. And we know that one of the most difficult things is getting people through the doors of the church. And if we can do something kind of practical like this, invite them into that, they may come and 
You never know. The next time you invite them to come to a Christmas Eve service, they might just show up because they've already been here for game night. just makes sense that they may be able to come. And the last thing, we have our uh, dwell prayer night service tomorrow night that uh, we're really excited about to go to the Lord in prayer and worship and testimony. So, so many, so many amazing things God's doing. Um, we're just so excited to be a part of the kingdom work that God's doing here in North Canton. And looking out at you right now, it is crowded in here. It is crowded. We have so many people coming. What a blessing to share the love of God with you, to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with you. It's a great honor uh, that you would come to Mission View and seeking Jesus. So I'm glad you're here. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be looking at um, a part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. I am so excited to share this truth with you today. This has been probably one of the most, if not the most powerful truths that God reveals to us in his word. And I'm not saying that lightly. Uh, this, this conversation or this teaching that Jesus gives, and it really talks about the deepest part of who we are. It talks about how we deal with the struggles in life and difficulties in life. It talks about how we combat sin. And, and we know as Christians that the behaviors and sinful things that, that come out of our lives aren't outside of us coming in. They're inside of us coming out. And, and that's really a huge difference in the church in Christianity that, that we recognize that the sins that we actually do of omission and commission, the sins of commission that, uh, and omission that we do come out of our hearts and that God is after our hearts. And and the crazy thing about that is that we can't change our hearts. We don't have the power to change our hearts, but we know the one who does, and his name is Jesus. And in this teaching that Jesus gives, we find a, a powerful tool that he's given us to direct our hearts to point our hearts in the right direction. So I'm so excited to share this with you this morning. Let's pray before we jump into this. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, right now we just confess that we need you. We need your truth. And we submit to the authority of your word, this God-breathed word. We, we believe this is not any ordinary book, that the Bible is a holy book set apart Men's hands may have wrote it, but your spirit through them put the words onto the page. So, Father, come and change us. Change us with your truth, Father. We give you our lives. Take all that we are in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. God's word says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Go ahead and underline that in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a a key that we'll be studying much this morning. In verse 22, he goes on and he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God's word for us today. Now, the first thing I I want us to kind of try and wrap our minds around about what Jesus is saying here, and it's the first fill-in in your notes as you're following along there. It's lay up treasures in heaven. Jesus tells us to lay up treasures in heaven. He's saying invest in eternal things. Now, as we've been working our way through the book of Mark, we're taking a little break from that as we get ready to jump into Advent and Thanksgiving, but we've talked a lot about eternity. We've seen in the life of Christ, one of the main things that he talks about is eternity, this paradise, the heaven that we are waiting for and looking forward to. But we've, we've seen so much of it in Jesus's teaching. But he's, 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 we see in Jesus's life that, that he lived in the moment, but he was entrenched in eternal things. Jesus knew that there's a, a battle going on. There's a battle going on for our hearts. And there's so many things and people vying for our attention, our affections, and our hearts. Now, this world offers temporary pleasures, shallow fulfillment, brief satisfaction, that all, that all of those things leave our hearts empty and wanting. And it leaves us emptier than what we were before. And the difficulty we have is not being tricked into thinking that what this world has to offer is actually what we need. Every commercial, billboard, advertisement, Facebook, Instagram are claiming to offer happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, and hope. You could be happy if you had this. You'll find fulfillment if you just go and buy this thing or if you just go and do this, be a part of this group, you will be fulfilled. And the problem is our hearts are seeking ultimate and lasting happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, and hope that are not offered by the world. The world will claim to have it, but it's a lie. We see it every day. People that have all that the world has to offer. Money, fame, power, stuff. And they turn to drugs and sex or some other thing that they think might meet that desperate need in their hearts. But those things, in the end, end up killing them. These things fail because the human heart All of us, in every single one of us, the human heart is a black hole of desperate need. And God created us that way. He created every human being with this this gaping hole of desperate need that, that, that is searching for all of those things, that satisfaction, that ultimate lasting hope and peace He created each one of us with this God-shaped hole in our hearts. The human heart was meant to dwell, saturate, soak, worship, and forever be connected to the one source for all that we need. And his name is Jesus. When Jesus finds us, we find ultimate and lasting peace, hope, joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment. And we are meant to treasure Jesus. We are meant to think on, hope for, look to, and store up treasure in him, treasure in heaven. 
And this battle is ongoing in our hearts and in our minds. And it is a spiritual battle that is going on in our hearts of men and women. Don't fall for the tricks, the bait and switch that the world offers. Because temporary pleasures rob us of eternal treasures. Temporary pleasures rob us of eternal treasures. Have you ever fallen for it before? It's a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand because we'd all be raising our hands. We've all fallen for it at some point in our lives. We've watched the commercial over and over again. We started to believe it. And all you need is that speedboat. I am telling you, you watch the commercial and the guy's in that speedboat and the wind's blowing through his hair. And I'm thinking, I wish I had hair. I thought I was thinking, I wish I had the speedboat. And there's skiers behind him and, you know, his wife is there smiling and it's like, there's real joy. All I need is a speedboat. But, oh, no, I can't afford a speedboat. But then the commercial comes on again and you're like, all I need for happiness, oh, I'd be really fulfilled. My, my life would be complete. if All I need is that speedboat. I don't need anything else. I mean, I can get rid of all this. I mean, then all you're thinking about is a speedboat, Right. I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that commercial keeps running through your head. You dream about it. I mean, at night, you're woken up at three in the morning. Was that a dream from the Lord? I need a speedboat. That's what's going to give me ultimate happiness and fulfillment. This past week, I had a late night. I was driving home. Boy, was I hungry. And I said, you know what I need? I haven't had this in years. You know what I really, my wife's laughing. You know what I really need? Taco Bell. I had seen, I had seen the commercials of those Nacho Supremes. It's a Nacho Belgrande now. They don't do the Nacho Supreme. That's how long it'd been. I order a Nacho Supreme. They say, oh, we don't have that. I said, well, what, what do you have for nachos? The Nachos Belgrande. Well, give me the Nachos Belgrande. And by the way, why don't you give me a beefy, cheesy burrito and all this other stuff I've never had in like 10 years. And it's 10 o'clock at night and I don't usually eat after 8 o'clock and I get home and and my wife walks in as I'm at the dinner table stuffing my face full of Taco Bell and she goes, wow, you look hungry. That was her exact words to me. And I thought to myself, I had seen the commercials and I believed that I just needed some Taco Bell. That's all I really needed. And you know what I got? Heartburn and diarrhea. (laughs) That's what I got. It's not like the commercial at all. (laughs) Stomach ache for three days. I'm telling you, you go and buy the speedboat and you got $50,000 in debt and you're, you know, everybody around you is like, going, why aren't you going out to eat? Why aren't you doing anything? Well, I got to pay for this speedboat. And you, then it's wintertime and you're sitting at this speedboat looking at it going, that's the prettiest paperweight I've ever bought. <laughs> it's a lie. The world lies to us what we buy into it over and over again. And it's because we were created to worship. Did you know that? That God created you, his sons and daughters, to be in intimate relationship with him. That you would be desiring him and running after him and praying to him and worshiping him 24-7. The dreams that you have about Taco Bell and the dreams that you have about speedboats are meant to be dreams about your Savior, Jesus Christ. Who has your attention and your affections and your heart. That's what this text, this is what teaching Jesus is getting at is he wants our hearts. 
Look in verse 21 again. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, our hearts lead us astray. Even God says in his word that that the hearts of men are deceitful and wicked. And that means women too. I'm not going to leave you out. Sorry. The hearts of men and women are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? It's a rhetorical question. God can know it. God can change it. So what can we do? I mean, if we don't have the power to change our hearts, and our hearts are deceitfully wicked, and my heart's leading me to a speedboat, and my heart's leading me to Taco Bell, if these are the things that is that my wicked heart is drawing, what do I do? Have you ever thought about that? What do I do? Like Paul says, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I want to do. What a wicked man I am. What do we do? And right here is why I'm so excited about this text. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a, that's the key. That is the key to directing our hearts. We have a tool to direct our hearts, and it's the treasures that we have. We can direct our hearts with where we put our treasures. He goes on and Jesus says this. And this is one of my favorite parts of the text now. Because I, I feel like the Lord's really given me something to share with you. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The second felony in your notes is this. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. Josh, you're going to love this. Ready? You got a bad eye, he says. What in the world? Do you, do you think that when you got there? You got a bad eye? What in the world? You got a bad eye? What's he talking about? Good eye? Bad eye? Full of darkness? Jesus is using what's called an idiom. And that's like saying something like this. You've bit off more than you can chew. We're not talking about food. We're not talking about anything else like that. He's, he's talking about you know, overcommitment or something like that. And Jesus is doing the same thing right here. This is really vitally important for us to understand what Jesus is trying to communicate. He uses this idiom one other time in Scripture. It's actually in Matthew chapter 20. If you want to turn there really quick, um, if not, you can follow me on the screen, but it's in Matthew 20, 13 through 16. And in this text, Jesus is telling the story of the laborers or workers in the vineyard. You may be familiar with this parable. And, and Jesus tells this story about these workers who come to work in the vineyard early in the morning. And they work a full day of work. They put in their hours. And then there's guys that show up kind of later on in the day. And then guys that show up at the end of the day and they put in like 15 minutes or something. Well, at the end of the day, the guy who owns the vineyard goes to all these workers and he gives them all the same pay. Gives them all a full day's wage. And the guys who've worked the full day are looking over there going, hold up. We've worked a whole day here. How can you pay these guys the same thing we are? The guy who owns the vineyard looks at him and he says, he goes, hey, didn't, didn't, we, didn't we agree on just a denarius for the day? That's, that's what we agreed upon, right? Isn't it okay if I want to be generous to these guys who've just come in who, who are desperate in need of, of money? Can't, can't I be generous with what I've given? 
He says in verse 15, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? What's he say next? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Guess what the direct translation of that from the Greek is? Actually Aramaic, but or do you have a bad eye? Really? There it is again, a bad eye. Or do you have a bad eye? What we see here, what Jesus is really talking about, when he says, do you have a bad eye? He's talking about, are you selfish? Are you only thinking about yourself? Are you stingy? Do we celebrate God's blessings on others or are we jealous, envious, or selfish? Do you have a bad eye? Do we look upon God's generosity to others and get angry? But they have done anything. That guy only comes to church like once a month. They don't, they don't put in the time. They don't serve anywhere. How can God bless that person? Are we generous people or are we holding up things for ourselves? Are we stingy? Well, I give, I tithe, I help out at the church, I serve in the food kitchen, I go on the missions trips. Why do they get the good job, the big house and Mercedes? That's not fair. I deserve that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's not giving, it's holding on to everything we have. We're guarding it, we're hoarding it in our homes or in our garages or in our savings accounts. The bad eye is jealous, envious, selfish, and stingy. The good eye is generous and celebrates God's goodness wherever God sees fit to pour out His grace and mercy and love no matter who the person is, no matter what they've done, no matter what they're doing. When God decides just to lavish His love upon them, we look upon that grace and mercy and we say, Yes, Lord, because that's the same grace and mercy that you and I don't deserve, but he so graciously and freely gives. Do you have a bad eye? Do I have a bad eye? You, we get to texts like this and, and it's, he's talking about money, or the possessions, the things that we have, and everybody just tightens up. All the church, man, all they want, that's all they talk about. They just want your money. And I want to be honest with you. God does not want your money. You heard it from the lead pastor here at Mission View Church. God doesn't want your money. We should all know what he wants. It's right here. What does he want? Our hearts. You got it. All right, let's go home. That was great. That was one of the best responses ever. He wants our hearts. He doesn't want our money. God's bank accounts are bottomless. He doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. He wants you. All of you. God doesn't want your money. He wants your everything. All of it. Every part of it. Everything. God knows that once he has your heart, he has everything. And that's what God is after. He doesn't want your money. He wants it all. Every part of you. 
So how do we cultivate this good eye? How do we cultivate generosity and selflessness, this giving God everything? And it's that verse I had you underline, verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus reveals to us how we can direct the affections of our hearts and how we can cultivate generosity in us, how we can combat that struggle of seeing what the world has to offer and and saying, oh, that's what I need, that's what I want. And so that struggle, that spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes for our hearts, how how do we beat it? It is right here. We can direct our treasures. Like I said, we can't change our hearts, but we can obey God's word and trust him to change our hearts. And what he says will change your heart. Your your heart will follow where you put your treasure. Your heart will follow where you put your money. And we can direct our treasure. We can tell our money where to go and our hearts will follow. This is called the treasure principle. In scripture. This is huge. This is huge because the implications are so far reaching. The consequences of this obedience affect every area of our lives because it changes our hearts. It affects every area of your life because it affects your heart. I hope you're following me on this. The Bible says that every wicked thing we do comes from what has our hearts or comes from our hearts. Every good thing we do when he has our hearts. We do good things when he has our hearts. Our struggle in this life begins and ends in our heart, the battlefield of the heart. Anxiety, fear, deceitfulness, anger, jealousy, everything finds its roots in what has our hearts. Are you guys following me on this? Okay, three. I got three. Are you guys following me on this? Okay, good, good. This is really good. Only God can change the hearts of people, but we find out from Jesus here that we can help in this change in this change that is so needed and necessary for us. It's interesting if we were kind of to read on in this, this, this next text, if we were to go from 24 to verse 25, let me just, says, no one can serve two masters for either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And he continues, and we're not going to study this today, but I just want to give us kind of an idea where he goes. He says, Jesus, therefore, and when he says therefore, he says, that means because of what I just said, hear this, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. He's talking about money, and then he brings anxiety right into it, fear, worry, Anybody here struggle with anxiety? I do. I'm just going to be honest. Stressed out, worry wart, whatever it may be, the difficulty of this life, looking at these different things, trying to juggle all the different things that are in your life and they're just falling to the floor and the eggs are crashing to the floor everywhere. There's a key, there's a hope. 
there's a principle that if we just practice and obey, God will do an amazing work in our hearts. That's why the next few verses Jesus addresses talks about anxiety and worry. He knows that trusting in him for everything we need and not trusting our possessions or our money is where anxiety and worry find their roots, plus a ton of other things. We can tell our treasure where to go and our hearts will follow, but it takes trust to be generous and direct our money to the Lord. And I I did some research because I think this is really important for us to hear today. The church today in America, only 5% of churchgoers, and this is people who go to church, claim to be Christians and share their faith, 5% of church Christians tithe. 5%. That's terrible. What kind of testimony is that to the world? You know what kind of testimony that is? We don't trust God. We talk about it. We say we trust him. But when it comes down to it, I don't trust him. That's a terrible testimony. And I... We can, we can look at the world and see all the struggles going on around us, all the poverty and all the homelessness, all the missions work that needs to be done. It can be overwhelming and we can think to ourselves, I can't do anything about this. My little gift here, or my little generosity here, that's not going to make an impact on anything. So I crunched the numbers a little bit. If every one of those Christians tithed, Guess how much money that would be per year? Anybody want to throw out a number just for fun? 100 million? Anybody else? $1.7 trillion. $1.7 trillion. I think we could probably make a dent. That's going off an average household income of $60,000 a year. What has our hearts? What has our hearts is what we serve. And we can serve God or we can serve money, but we cannot serve both. That's what it says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God money. So the last fill in your notes today is choose today who you will serve. Choose today who you will serve. We can master our money or our money will master us. Money is a brutal and evil slave master. It can be there one day and gone the next. It can give us a false sense of security. This is terrifying to think about. That we can look at our finances. We can look at our savings account. We can look at our retirement and think, I'm just fine. I've got everything I need. Happy life, here we go. 2.5 kids, a dog and a cat, a house in the suburbs, and here we go. Driving the suburban, having a great life, taking the kids to soccer practice. I don't need anything. In fact, I've got retirement and I've got insurances for everything in my life. No matter what goes wrong, I've got contingencies. I'm fine. Look at how God's blessed me. And all the while, our heart is worshiping and praising and focused on our money. Don't fall into the trap. 
this false sense of security. Does Jesus have our heart? Is God the one we're serving? I want to challenge you today. And I want to be honest with you too. Um, My wife and I have been faithfully tithing at the churches that we've attended and and pastored at for um, well over 20 years. And that was a really difficult decision for me to make. Uh, especially early on in ministry. I, I started on ministry, my, my uh, salary, I'll just be honest with you, was $18,000 a year. You don't get into ministry to get rich, right? You know, and when we were married and having kids, trying to make ends meet, there was a really difficult decision to make. I can either take that 10% right off the top and give it to the Lord, or I can make my car payment somehow, or rent payment. And we just chose to be obedient to God's word. And I can honestly share with you, by the grace of God, he's allowed us to tithe to every church we've worked in. Praise God for that. And I'm not bragging. Sometimes I was writing that check, grinding my teeth, going, Lord, how am I going to do this? With, with lack of faith, with a lack of trust, and just being obedient. It's really, really hard sometimes. It is sacrificial giving. But I knew that where I would put my money is where my heart would follow. And God's done amazing things in my heart. He hasn't made me rich. I'm not saying that. He's changed my heart. He's changed the things that I desire. He's changed the things that I want. He's changed the way that I act. He's changed the way that this world affects me. And that's what God is after. And so we thankfully and joyfully give more than a tithe now. Praise God. And we joyfully do that, thanking God for the work that he's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And only God can make that kind of transition in our hearts and in our lives. That we would be joyful givers to what he's doing in his kingdom. If you're not tithing, I want to challenge you to start today. And see what God does. See what God does in your heart. See what he does in your life. I want to challenge you to be generous. To be joyfully generous with what God has given us. And I I truly believe that everything that we have, every, everything that we have, every penny, every possession, everything is given to us by God and it's all his. A hundred percent of what I have is all his that he's just entrusted to me. And I will do whatever he would have me do with it. You may be out there thinking, man, I can't make a dent in this. This is, you know, this is so big. There's so much going on. That's not what it's about. It's not, it's not about writing big checks or anything like that. It's about sacrificially giving. The widow's might. It's not equal gifts. It's equal sacrifice for all of us to to give to the Lord. This, this is what God's calling to us to be, a generous people who treasure Jesus above everything. So I unashamedly stand up before you right now and say, let's give everything to God so that he has our hearts. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And, and as difficult as this is, God, we, we want to be a people, a church that serve you and you alone, God. I pray that, that things and people and money and all, all this world has to offer wouldn't attract us, Father. But God, you would captivate us. That we would look to you for fulfillment and joy and satisfaction. And Lord, that you would capture our hearts like only you can do, Father. Come do the work that only you can do in our hearts. Change us and grow us and make us an obedient people, Lord. We want to give you everything. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song today.